so I was looking at this verse uh, this week, and and it's a very uh, powerful verse um, when it when it talks about the whole summary of what Jesus had come to do, and it um, and the and the chapter beforehand is Hebrews chapter eleven, which is uh, the famous chapter of faith. And uh, we read the testimony, just like we uh, we heard uh, Barry's testimony uh, just before, that uh, God is able to change people's lives and motivate them and, and give them a vision. Uh, we're seeing here that um, when we look at these people of faith and, uh, and their testimony, the Bible says that uh, they died not receiving the full promise, that uh, they died... Um, just with this uh, this vision and this understanding that whatever they 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 come to, they came to understand was going to come to pass that uh, it was all it was all going to happen and here uh, just just this verse here looking to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so there's, uh, that's what I was saying, this, this summary, this, this verse here, there's, there's four main things that I want to talk about. First, look to Jesus. It's the first thing the, uh, the, the scriptures are saying here. That Jesus is the word of God. That uh, there's nothing that uh, he did on this earth that he didn't know about. He's the author and the finisher. Everything that he did, uh, was, uh, was in his control. He had a, he had a purpose. He came here to fulfill the prophecies are written of him and the, the prophecies of God. The third thing it, it says here, it defines what joy is. Now, joy is carrying out the will of God. That's what, is, that's what satisfies us and that's what the scriptures are saying here. And the fourth thing it's bringing out here is that the end result is being at the right hand of God. Now, the right hand of God is a place of authority in a place there's uh, with no limitations, a place that we're all seeking for, aren't we? This is the place that we've been called to. And uh, we're, we're called now to just walk on with the Lord and follow Jesus. So just the first point, we'll go to uh, Luke uh, chapter 9, uh, looking to Jesus. Now, those of us that have been walking on in the Lord, we know that um, looking to Jesus means 100% trusting him, doesn't it? You just, you, you can't go on in the Lord if you don't believe this a hundred percent. It just, it doesn't work. And that's the first major thing. It's the only way to walk in with the Lord. And it takes a hundred percent commitment. You know, when you're, you're half-hearted about your walk in the Lord, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, nothing happens. It's just, nothing makes sense. You read the scriptures or, or, uh, you, you just can't, uh, you can't zero in on anything in your life. You, 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 you stop with, um, things happening so you, you basically have to believe it 100 percent, trust in the lord and just walk with him and so we see this example here of um uh people seeing jesus and wanting to follow him so in luke 9 verse 57 and it says here and it came to pass that as they were uh, in the way a certain man said unto him lord i will follow thee wherever you go and jesus said unto him Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, 
Let the dead bury their dead. But uh, go you thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at my home, uh, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand on the plough and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So, real powerful statements back to some really important things that happen in our lives. These are these are strong family ties. These are. Uh, these are our responsibilities. But when you weigh that up to our calling and the kingdom of God, they should always come second place. Because as you put the Lord first, you're able to serve your family here better. And, and, and the Lord straight away is saying that there's no option to go back on your decision. Once you've come to me, once you've uh, uh, repented, and you've been baptized by full immersion, that you've received the Holy Spirit and you're born of the Spirit of God, there is no turning back, Jesus is saying here. Don't even, don't even like think about it. Don't even try to uh, hear in a natural way, um, logically get through all this. If, if I'm your savior, if you've followed me, if you've uh, believed the gospel, well, there's, there's no turning back. And when you've got that set in your heart and there's no turning back, Jesus takes on the responsibilities that these people once thought that they were uh, obliged to. They were, they were the things that were holding, holding them back from following the Lord. But as we put the Lord first, the Lord is there to help us with our obligations to our family and, and all that. So we just have to do it in the right way. And that's all just trusting him, just believing uh, the Lord. We'll go to uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. This is when Jesus calls um, his first disciples. It was Simon Peter and James and all those uh, disciples that were fishing at the time. It's a really amazing story if we uh, put ourselves in their position where they were, they were people that believe uh, the word of God and that uh, later on in, um, in John chapter 1, when Nathaniel was called, there was mention of uh, their conversation that they were looking for the Messiah. They were reading the scriptures about the Messiah and they were looking out for him. They had believed it. And, and when we piece all that together and we read this story, um, it helps us uh, appreciate what, what's going on here. So in verse 1, it says that it came to pass that as uh, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood uh, by the lake of Genesaret. Uh, and it says here, and, and he saw uh, two ships standing by the lake, uh, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Okay, so you've got, you've got uh, uh, two, two boats here, and they're used for what they were supposed to be used. They're fishing boats. Uh, the fishermen are now out, and they're washing their nets. And so Jesus takes the spot of the fishermen. And he entered into, uh, verse 3, and entered into the ships, uh, which were Simon's. And he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So Jesus here is uh, teaching them new concepts. He's come for the word of God. People were excited to hear the Lord, and the Lord is now changing it now. Uh, people understood where he was. He was in this fishing ship. Uh, and, uh, but then the Lord is, is standing in the place of these fishermen and starting to teach them a different way. And in verse 4, And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let your nets 
uh, and let down your nets for a draft. So Jesus was going to show, show them signs and wonders. Now they, they came there to hear the word of God and they came there to be taught of the Lord. And we know whenever we give the word of God a chance, miracles happen, signs and wonders happen. I remember the first time I came in here, um, I had a bit of religion in my life. I, was, I, went, I went to a Catholic school, but there was no signs and wonders and miracles. I, I heard you know, words out of the Bible but they weren't backed with anything that would change my life. But when Jesus preaches the word of God, there's signs and wonders, there's instructions. So the Lord actually replaced them. He got into the ship and he started to give them instructions. And then we start to see the miracles happen. And here, and Simon, verse 5, Simon answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Okay, so that's the first thing. You want to see miracles in your life? You want things to change? Even though he knew, he thought he knew what was going to happen, Lord, because you said to do this, I'm going to do this. And in verse 6, And when they had, uh, had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net broke. And they beckoned their, their partners, which were um, in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Then, then Simon Peter saw it and he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, uh, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. It's sort of like he just knew it, that now uh, this was a challenge. He just saw this miracle before him and he didn't believe he was up for the challenge. But Jesus, he knows us all. He, he knows our weaknesses, he knows our strengths. And um, and verse 9 it says, For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of fishes which they had taken. And and so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought the ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. And so the Lord doesn't want us to follow him with just this blind faith. The Lord actually gave them something tangible to set their decision on. The Lord's saying, I'm not just like all these other people that you're hearing. Maybe they, they spent a lot of time in the synagogue and they heard lots of things. Now Jesus came on the scene and he was preaching the word of God and he was backing that up with signs and wonders and miracles. And the disciples saw this, and they forsook all, and they followed him. And that's the pattern that it should go forth. And, and here, the Lord is uh, giving us our purpose too, and, and Simon's purpose, saying, from now on, you're going to catch the souls of men. You're going to be involved in preaching the gospel. Uh, and, and the way that the, the fishing is here, I've never, I've never gone out fishing, uh, with a net, but, uh, the way that I go out fishing is, is basically, um, I, I fish once a year and, uh, I buy a rod once a year from Kmart because I've forgotten where the old rod is. And, um, it's just, it's just with a hook. And I think my bait ends up, my last year's bait is still on the hook when I, when I find my tackle too. And, and you don't, you don't catch anything. It's a, and, uh, you're, and, and with, with my type of fishing, you go after a, a particular type of fish. So you set it all up 
maybe a Tommy or whatever, and you, you, you put two hooks on, you, it's either floating or, or sinking. But, but the, the catching of the fish that the Lord has for us here is a net. So when you go out fishing with a net, you don't know, you sort of, there's the fish, and you, and you basically collect all of them, and then you just sort through them all. It's not a, um, it's, it's not a, a specified sort of way. It's, it's whoever comes into the gospel net. And that's, this is the sort of thing that the Lord has called us to. That it's the whosoever we find in our lives we preach the gospel to. That our testimony is the net. Our testimony is the word of God. It goes out and always to be on the watch to preach the gospel. It doesn't matter who's coming. It's, it's the, it's the testimony that catches them. It's the word of God. It's the signs and the wonders and the miracle. And that's what the Lord has called us to. The second point we'll, we'll go to is Jesus Christ being the word of God. If you, if you'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter nine and verse six, we're going to start. That's a wonderful, uh, promise here and a, and a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And as we read these promises, picture it in your mind what it's going to be like, because uh, this is going to come to pass in our lives. In verse 6 it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's been fulfilled. That's come to pass. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now that hasn't come to pass, but that is part of our calling that's part of our hope this is what we're looking out for this is what we we should be picturing in our minds ruling and reigning with jesus christ and all the things that that get people down in this life that people want is going to be fulfilled in these promises you know what people want justice in, in this world they want peace they want to live in um uh in, in a safe community they want uh they want all resources uh, divided up equally and all those sorts of things, uh, a ruler that's righteous. And Jesus Christ is going to fulfill all these things and we're going to be part of that. And that's what the Lord wants us to hold on to. It goes on in verse 7, it says, And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice for henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So this is going to happen. This is set in concrete. This is, uh, um, we're going to see this being fulfilled before our eyes. And Jesus has put all this uh, in motion. This is all happening before us. And it's happening in our lives because these sorts of characteristics of Jesus are now in the spirit-filled person uh, heart is, is operating. Jesus is the King of Kings in our, in our heart. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the one that we look for. He's the one that directs us because we're now part of his kingdom, aren't we? We now have a king. We now have uh, our father, which is God, and we have the word of God. So all these things are, are here and th these all these characteristics of Jesus Christ are operating in our lives and so we need to show that to the world. But soon it's going to be operating uh in this whole earth that everyone will know Jesus Christ every every knee shall bow and all these these promises will come to pass let's go back to uh the gospel of John and chapter 1 reading about Jesus Christ being the word of God 
and him being the author and the finisher of our faith. And this is the Bible's description of Jesus Christ, uh, who he is, and what his purpose is. And so we'll start in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, so here's the description of Jesus Christ. This is who he is. In Jesus Christ is life. Eternal life is, is within him. And this eternal life will bring us light because we live in a world of darkness. We live in a world of doubt. We live in a world that uh, has no faith and doesn't understand what's, what's going to happen on, on the tomorrow. Uh, it's, the future is bleak here. People are, people are scared. But in Jesus Christ, there's eternal life and there's light. In verse 5 it says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came uh, for the witness and, uh, for witness and bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of the fullness we, we all have received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, only the begotten, only the begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Okay, these verses here are just jam-packed with information of uh, who Jesus Christ is. But... Um, what I wanted to get out of here is that uh, um, nothing, nothing is, um, uh, well, the Lord's in control of everything and nothing happens that the Lord doesn't know about. And here it was, Jesus Christ comes on the scene and already the, the way was prepared. John the Baptist was there to receive him and to bear witness of him and to declare to the world that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God and to declare to the world the way to the Father through baptism. And so all this was locked in the Word of God, and here it is being expounded as Jesus Christ comes, as light enters in, and as, we've come, as we come to understand what this is all about. And the end result is that we have this personal relationship with the Lord so close. Jesus Christ, who here lives in the presence of God, right inside the Lord, is now declaring the Father to us so that we can have 
this close relationship with God where God becomes our Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. And so the, the times that we, we were on our knees or we have this, this, uh, the special moments where we're praying in the Spirit, we're praying in tongues, we're in the presence of God, just as what's described here. We're only there because we've understood and responded to the Word of God. And so we're in a position where we've now become the sons of God with this, with this uh, belief inside that we're going to live forever. And that's where you get this closeness that the Scriptures are talking about. We, we get this close to God because we've believed Jesus Christ, who was in the presence of the Father. That's where He came from, and He declared it to us. And so it's very, very special when we're praying the Spirit that we understand all these things, that uh, it is a very, very powerful calling. We don't play church. This is not a religion. This is a faith. This is a, a way of life, and this is an experience. We'll go to John chapter 6. So now our daily provision, it comes from the Word of God. We're directed by the Word of God um, each day. So the Word of God, that's why we, we carry our Bibles with us to the meetings. We're reading the Word of God on a daily basis, or we're encouraged to re read the Word of God on a daily basis, because that is what sustains us. Uh, John chapter 6 and verse 31 Jesus was talking to the Pharisees at this time and they didn't understand him because they weren't in tune with the power of God. They weren't in tune with the word of God. And so they were missing a lot of things that the Lord was, was saying. But here in verse 31, Jesus goes on and he, he starts to tell us, the ones that would believe him, uh, how this all works. How do we get um, our sustenance from the word of God? In verse 31 it says, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to, to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you, that you also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father uh, giveth me shall... Uh, shall oh, actually, I'll just stop there. Um, up, up here in verse 35, Jesus Christ describing himself as the bread of life is is now switching their thinking from the law of Moses, which was very natural, which was um, uh, the old way of, of thinking. And then he switches their thoughts over to have a listen to what I'm saying. Have a listen to the things that I'm, I'm giving you, the experience that I'm talking about, the promises that I'm revealing unto you. They will sustain you and uh, they will awaken you to this spiritual life. And then your spiritual life will help you out in your natural life, as you do it in the right way, as you put the kingdom of God first, the, uh, the, the spiritual things that you're hearing here will sustain you in this life and in the life to come. And then he starts talking about the calling here. So in verse 37, all that the Father has given me uh, shall come to me, and him that, that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. Okay, so we're all coming to the Lord. And we've all been called 
and none of us, we're, we're all worthy. The natural way of thinking, the Moses way of thinking or under the law is saying, I'm not worthy, Lord. And we put all these limitations on and uh, it doesn't become 100% anymore. But the Lord is saying, no. Uh, verse 38, for I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all which, which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up again on the last day. Okay, so we've been called. And as the Lord said earlier, uh, when we make our decision to walk on with him, there's no turning back. And it's the same with the Lord. The Lord's calling is the same. If he's chosen us and if he's called us and filled us with his spirit and made us his children through the Holy Ghost, there is no turning back from him either as we look to him. And so this is the way, and the Lord is um, confirming this in these scriptures. In verse 40 it says, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise uh, him up at the last day. Okay, that's what it's all about. And that's what Jesus Christ has come to tell us that, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm preaching the word of God. It's been protected for us. It's here um, in our Bibles. And just to read it and know that God doesn't make mistakes that were special in his eyes. We'll go to John chapter 19. And so the third point here. His joy is defined by carrying out the will of God in our lives. We know the scriptures say there that um, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now in John chapter 19, just for the sake of time, I wanted to go through this whole chapter, but there's, um, there's the word of God being fulfilled uh, in, this, in this whole chapter, that there's dozens of prophecies being fulfilled. And it looks as if, on the, on the natural, it looks as if um, Jesus is out of control. He, he hasn't got control of this situation. But this whole story here was written in Scripture hundreds and, uh, and hundreds of years before. And, so, and some of those ancient ones are thousands, uh, a thousand years before this come to pass. And so, yes, it, it looked in the natural that um, uh, the Lord had handed himself over to the Jews and then to the Romans. But uh, as we go through this, Jesus Christ was in control and that he 100% handed himself over to the will of God and that there was no turning back from him. Uh, so we just read here in verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers uh, plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put uh, on him a purple robe. And they said, Hail! king of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. And Pilate uh, therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And then Jesus came forth wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate saith unto, unto them, Behold the man. And so here in this situation, I was just seeing, you know, what is this statement, Behold the man. And I was just thinking about that for a, for a minute. And, and uh, for three years, Jesus Christ was doing things and saying things that the world has never seen before. And yet they, they really didn't know him because 
the things that he was doing was, in the natural sense, was reserved for mighty men. But Jesus Christ was humble. Jesus Christ described himself as, I've got nowhere to lay my head. I don't even have a house. Uh, he was relying on the Lord to provide his food and all that. But this man was performing these incredible miracles that was turning the world upside down. And, and Pilate here brings him forth, not understanding what, the, what all the fuss was about because he was, uh, Jesus was brought to him by the Jews as saying, I've scourged him, I've mocked him, behold the man. And, and the chief priests in verse 6, they activate with their unbelief and, and, their, um, uh, and their proud minds and the way of thinking just blocked uh, all the scriptures written about Jesus Christ. They sort of were ignorant of all that and they were ignorant of their actions and they go on in verse 6. And the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him. Uh, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he's made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard uh, that saying, he was more afraid. Interesting statement there. So Pilate, who was the most powerful man in that region, he had uh, an army at his disposal, was afraid of Jesus Christ. And what was he afraid of? The man. He was afraid of this man that was performing miracles. They was hearing maybe rumors of, maybe he, he knew someone who was affected by uh, the, the miracles that the Lord was doing, but he was more afraid. Uh, verse 9, And he went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Who are you? And Jesus gave him no answer. Again, Pilate is getting worried here, you know, trying to work out what, what is going on here. Verse 10, then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou that I have, not, uh, that I have uh, power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, You could have uh, no power at all against me, except it was given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. You know that this answer here made Pilate even more afraid as he heard all these things and uh, Jesus, in this position, uh, position here, uh, should have been begging for his, for his release and, and his freedom. And yet Pilate is piecing all this together and uh, is seeing there's something really incredible happening before his eyes. That's, that's something that he's never experienced before. In verse 12 it says, And from then on Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Then Pilate therefore heard that saying, and he sought Jesus, uh, and he brought Jesus forth and, and sat down on the judgment seat in the place which is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, uh, Gabbatha. And it, and it says, it says here that, um, uh, you, you know, Pilate is, um, is looking to, release him isn't he and, he, and he's uh, he's not understanding what's what's happening here but um the the jews the sad thing is that they're not giving the word of god a chance they're not they're not understanding and so they're missing the whole point and this man Pilate, who is a um who is alien to the word of god who um worships idols 
and is a pagan is getting more of the picture here than what the Jews are, who, who, who are supposed to be reading the scriptures on a daily basis and fearing God. So he's getting a bit more of an understanding than the closed minds of the Jews at this time. Verse 14, And it was the preparation of the Passover, it was the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto him, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So see what um, trusting in your own thinking does? It, get, it gets you so distanced, uh, distant from the word of God, even though the word of God is there in front of you and you can touch it. You can, you can touch the Lord, yet they didn't see it. Verse 16, And then delivered he... Um, uh, him therefore unto them to be uh, crucified and they uh, took Jesus and led him away and he bearing his cross went forth to the place called the place of the skull which is called in the Hebrew Gogotha and there they they crucified him with with two others with him on either side uh, either side one and Jesus in the midst and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And this title then read, Many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was uh, written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And then said the chief of the priests, uh, uh, to the, uh, the chief of the priests of the, the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I'm the King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, That which I have written, I have written. And then the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts uh, to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said therefore among themselves, Let us not rent it, but cast lots for it, for whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, which saith, they, uh, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, did, uh, these things therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by uh, the, the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of uh, uh, Cephas, and uh, Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the, and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And he saith unto the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing all things, were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a, a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghosts. And the Jews therefore, because of the preparation that the, the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, um, for the Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And it goes on here. I just wanted this, this um, chapter here is amazing when you go through it and Jesus Christ 
uh, when, when we read out that scripture from the beginning, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And we can just see here how it was all, uh, he was all in control of this situation, that scriptures were being fulfilled when he had no, um, uh, he was on a, he was on a, a cross, yet the word of God was being fulfilled and he had no way of, um, uh, of directing what was going on here, uh, of the way that Pilate would act and how the high priest would act and how the soldiers would, uh, would take these garments here. But, uh, it was all happening before him because he was part of the word of God and the word of God just goes on, um, and we can choose to either join in with the will of God or to opt out. That, that's the choice. And the Lord wants us to join in uh, with him. Just for the sake of time, we'll just, um, uh, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go down to verse 34. And one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith there came out blood and water. Uh, and he that saw it bear record, and this record is true, and he knoweth, um, and, and he that knoweth that, uh, he saith is true that you might believe. For these things are done that the scriptures may be, may be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. Um, and we can see here that, uh, the piercing of the, of the Lord's side and out came blood and water representing, um, the order of life that, uh, we, we're born in the flesh here. That, uh, the way, the way that uh, we enter into eternal life is given to us by Jesus Christ. That so we, we come in the flesh, but then we're baptized in water and we enter into life. That's how, that's the order of life. That's the way it happens. Um, and, uh, and just seeing all the things being fulfilled and all this symbolism here that the Lord wants us to, to look to Him. Just to finish, we'll go to, uh, Colossians chapter three and verse one. Looking to Jesus will ultimately result in being at the right hand of God. And we can see the examples when Stephen was being stoned and after he gave that, that, uh, wonderful, um, uh, speech where he went through all the, um, the history of Israel. Um, and just before he was stoned, he looked up and he saw Jesus Christ on the right hand of God. And we see, uh, lots of these, um, the right hand of God being mentioned throughout the, the New Testament. But so I just wanted to pick out one example here in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. And I just want to finish with this point because this is what it's all about as, we, um, as we're looking at uh, Jesus Christ, the author and finish of our faith and, and following him. In verse 1 it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Okay? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Believe in him wholeheartedly. Uh, trust in him, even, th even uh, though you don't, un you don't understand what's going on or the natural mind is, is getting on top of you. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Okay? A whole, a whole meaner, a whole outlook should be set on the promises of God and they don't change, do they? The promises of, you don't wake up e each morning, read the word of God and go, oh, the Lord's, uh, the Lord's changed it here. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're pointing a different direction. That is set in concrete. We believe it and we learn it. And then we just meditate upon that because it's always the same direction. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. 
Because the things of the earth are moving and they change and different things come up in our lives, but we attack it the same way. We, we seek the Lord and, um, and we put it over to him. For you are dead and your life is hidden Christ in God. Okay, so all this is, is all dead. This is all going to pass away. Everything that we, that we have here, everything that we're experiencing here, then Christ, who has our life, shall appear. Then shall you also appear with him in glory. You end up in the right hand of God. You end up in the position where you're ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ, where there's no limitations, where there's uh, this, this incredible um, closeness with God. You'll be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ, joint heirs with him. So just in summary here, just looking uh, to following Jesus as we uh, began with that scripture, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and being set uh, down at the right hand of God, uh, of the throne of God. That is our faith. That is the summary of what we believe. It's fulfilling the, the word of God, doing the word of God, brings that joy brings that satisfaction, brings that, uh, the, thing, the things that satisfy us and, and sustains us until we meet the Lord in the air. And all the people said, Amen.